0: All right, so this is the Rambam for Shabbos Kodesh, Da'arav Tav Hilch Peh, Hilchus Now, at the end of the previous Perek, the Rambam began discussing the four Yisoydus, the four elements, and he explained that down here there's actually one type of matter, and that one matter combines with the four forms of Eshru, of and Afar, and when they're combined, that's how you get the... Form of, uh, the form of fire, the form of, uh, of wind, matter and form together, what you would call fire, what you would call wind, and explain how they are uh, divided one on top of the next, yeah. you have the earth below, top of that that's the water, On top of that that's the, the ruach, the air, the wind, and all the way on top, right below outer space, is the realm of fire, and that they're not intelligent like the Galgalim, they're not self-aware, they're not self-conscious, that was what he explained there. And that's, and over there, we were still discussing Eishro, uh, Hamayim, and Afar as their own, in the terms of their own chaymer, in terms of their own surah, their own matter, their own form, as pure forms, pure pure fire, pure water, etc. And now we're gonna continue in greater detail in Halachas Aleph through Vav here in Perak V to explain that uh, when you have more complex objects in this world, those elements are the matter that's from which you can create more complex objects in this world and from there we will get uh, to talking more about the tsura, because the say this is, is forms the matter of every object and then on top of that you have the additional form of every complex object that will be discussed and then at the end he's going to conclude and sum up the whole subject of these higher subjects of learning my not recover my and just again a disclaimer as usual that we're just following the realm's words according to the simple meaning we're not getting into any questions of modern science so halacha alif. so after we explain how the yusaitis are on their own that generally there's a mass of earth there's a mass of water there's a, an area of wind or air etc so now he's coming to explain how the system is useful for explaining all the various objects we see down here on earth and that everything has its uh, character and its properties based on its unique combination of these four elements that make it up. And uh, as you will explain that uh, that's the case uh, for anything that's not pure earth, pure water. It's a combination of the various elements. So it says, gufum ha'elu, These four gufim, meaning as they already are actual fire not we said earlier there's the pure matter there's the pure forms of fire water the forms themselves would not be visible when you take the matter and you combine it with the form of fire you get actual fire so that actual fire water etc so those in turn serve as the elements for everything else under the heavens just to point out, he actually didn't use the word Yesidas in Paragimel, because when they're pure form, that wouldn't be the correct word in Hebrew, Yusaid. It's just uh without with without when it, before it combines with uh, the pure matter, it's just uh, an abstract form. And uh, once it combines with the matter, so he calls it guffen. The gufa esh, the gufa ruach. Now in this parable we're talking about the, how they combine to create other things, now it's appropriate to start calling them yesidas. In, in relation to other things, although in English, the word elements doesn't have that specific connotation. It's just a general term. In Hebrew, you say this, so that's where that comes in now. They're the aside for everything else. So anything that you have, from man, animal, bird, crawling creatures, fish, plants, metals, Precious stones, pearls, which are not just precious stones, but regular rocks for a building or mountains or clumps of earth. Its matter is uh, comprised of a combination of these you say this. Now, just to point out, he mentions clumps of earth. So seemingly earth itself is pure Eretz, pure offer. Puricide. Here he's saying that the clumps of earth are a combination of other things. So apparently, once you have a clump of earth, it might already have uh, new additional properties. It might not be considered pure earth. So that's why we would assume that there's more mixed in and not just it's not the uh, pure earth. Um, so it's not just a, a, a change in its form, but that actual matter isn't just pure earth, but the matter is comprised of various societies. And we're saying uh, So again, um, we've been noting that there's many levels of matter and form. So On the lowest level, you have, like we said, the pure matter in this universe. And then there's, one, once it combines with the form of dirt, it becomes actual dirt. That's one level of form. Now, when we're talking about a more sophisticated, more complex object, so then all of those things become its matter, and then in addition, there's another form on top of that. And that's what he clarifies in the next paragraph in Ha'olacha Aleph. So that means that everything under the heavens, except for the four Yusaydis themselves, are combined of Chaymer and Surah, combined of matter and form. The Gaelim Shalahan, and their matter itself, and their Chaymer, their matter is combined from these simpler four pure forms. But the four Yosaitis themselves, they only have their own Gaila they don't have the next level of Tzura. Um, so, yeah, so like we said, um, everything's relative. For the Yosaitis themselves, being Earth is its Tzura for the next level of an object, for a precious stone, the, uh, whatever earth is in that precious stone, that's part of its matter, but its form is, is, is beyond that. Um, it's interesting to point out that there's an order from the Rebbe on this, and a special kunstis, Uh There's a special kuntjes in the middle Rebbe called Bad Kodesh, that was uh, sort of a petition to the government uh, on behalf of the middle Rebbe, but it uh, was written in Hebrew and it's written in the style of so Siddhartha very interesting composition. And in the middle he mentions the concept that there are, there are pure forms of things and there are things that are combinations of, of multiple things. He says there that water and fire are in fact not pshutim, they're not there's no pure water, pure fire. But if that was the case, then it would it would be impossible for them to ever combine with each other. So he says that even fire has some water in it some of the Yusayit HaMayim in it and the opposite. He attributes this to the Sifre HaTava, books on the laws of nature. He also brings some proof from Sefi Yetzirah. So there's their footnotes from the Rebbe. It was printed, I think, back in the 1940s. The Rebbe wrote uh, some letters. The Rebbe asks that uh, It says that there's a difference between more complex objects that have uh, their, their matter as a combination of different stuff, plus its own surah, and uh, the Arab Yusaydas, which are the pure forms that they only have, their own Chaymer and Surah there's nothing else. And he also cites Yitzchayim and So how does that, how does it fit with what Mittweb is saying? Uh, so the answer is, it gives us uh, two options. Number one, that there could be that when we speak about the Yusayda etc., that's still not the actual fire that... Uh, that we experience. the ash is, uh, I guess, up in, uh, under the moon, but uh, not, uh, it's not the fire we have already. is not pure fire, etc. Number two, that uh, even the Dalek Yusaydas themselves, there's an initial pure form, or at least conceptually, you can speak of them in their pure form, but even the Yusaydas as Yusaydas, even the elements as elements, do ultimately uh, combine with each other. But then the Rebbe concludes that, well, ain't Ash was a sfarim hanal, Ayn Sham, but it doesn't really settle with what it says in those svarim. Take a look there. So that's an interesting comment from the Rebbe on this. So fire and wind, their movement is from below, from the center of the earth upwards towards the sky. Um, and along the way, we're actually defining but, you know, we've been speaking a lot about the skies, the heavens, up, in the up direction. So what's the uh, what's the down direction? The down direction is center of earth. That's what we consider down in relation to up, to the heavens. So that's Eshen that's Ruach. And the, the water and earth, they go in the opposite direction. If they're somehow up under the heavens, they go downwards, and he says, what's downwards? Again, he says, la down to the center. And he says, meaning, the center of the heavens is the lowest of the low. What is Ram saying? He's saying that the, that the lowest point is really the center of space. So just to clarify, if you look in some ancient uh, texts, some ancient sources, sometimes you get the sense that the way they conceived of the universe was that the earth really was totally on the bottom. And the heavens uh, went above the earth like a half circle. So the earth is the, the is the floor, and the the skies are like the walls and the and and, and the roof. But the way the is describing it, the Ram is saying that the center of the heavens is low. So that means that the earth is all the way in the center of the universe, and then the sky surrounds it as a Perfect circle, so you can go upwards in all four directions, and that's why center and lowest of the low are the same thing. I'm continuous. <speaking in Hebrew> so, this nature uh, of going up or going down, whichever it is, is not something uh, that, they, that they think about, that they want, it's just a trait that's built in. Uh, it's the nature that's built in, not something they are aware of or can help. Uh, he said this already in Paragimel. There he said it generally, they're not aware of the nature. And here, once you mention the specific trait, so he says, yeah, this is a trait that they're not aware of. <clears throat> continues, uh, Ha'esh continues. Teva Ha'esh, the nature of fire. So we already explained what's up and what's down. And now he goes further and says, we can attribute this to their own properties. He says, the nature of fire is that it's hot and dry. Who call me And that's the lightest. Varuach chamlach. Wind is hot and wet. Ma'aim karmalachim. Water is cold and wet. Va'ardetz yaveishakar. earth is dry and cold. Vikradim and That is the heaviest. So it doesn't really explain how, why, how that translates. Why these different combinations translate into heaviness. So on the one hand, you see the two lighter things are the, are the hot ones and the two heavier things are the cold ones. But on the other hand, both the lightest thing and the very heaviest thing are both described as dry. So what, what impact does dryness have? So possibly um, it's, it's unspoken, but when you say warm, it's also implied is that they're also more airy. So when we're speaking about something that's airy, so if something that's airy gets moist, that can actually add some weight. Add some some denseness, whereas if it's dry, dryness here would mean that it's just totally the absence of almost anything. So that's even lighter. When we say cold, cold also implies that it's it's heavier, it's denser, and so if it's heavy and dense, so moisture would actually soften it up a bit; it would be less dense. If you say it's dry, what you're saying is that it's very dense, it's very heavy. Uh, so that's what dryness would mean. And it's earth. interesting to point out that. By the first three, he mentions the temperature first, hot, hot, cold. Then he mentions the dryness or the wetness. By the earth, he mentions the dryness first. That, that seems to be the main thing. Also, later, when he talks about the nature that objects get from which is the dominant euside in that object, he says that the main characteristic of Earth is the dryness. Later in uh, in a bit. And um, we you know probably just need to research a bit more in the older Svarm that uh, lay out this system to see if there's any more insight on how this was understood. It's also worth noting that uh, I could have mentioned this at any point, but the Chesidis actually not as explains that Ruach is higher than fire. It explains it a bit in a Gashmiistic sense. It's usually, of course, to make a, a Ruachmiistic point about whatever Ruach and Ash symbolize spiritually. But it's interesting to, to keep that in mind, and it does sometimes explain why we think that actually ruach might be lighter, truthfully than fire. That's a whole other subject, just worth noting and passing. So to continue, uh, to, to continue this 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 paragraph. Let's just, our arts of Eishar to be greater than So earth is the heaviest. arts. Water is lighter. That's why it's on top of the earth. Wind is even lighter. That's why it's floating on top of the water. And the fire is even lighter than wind based on these uh, hot, cold, dry, uh, wet combinations. He continues with Meis Because these are, the, these are the, the, the elements that comprise everything under the heavens. So any object, any body of an animal, uh, Person, animal, wild animal, bird, fish, plant, metal, stone. So its matter is actually a combination of all of these. Interesting to note that this is the first time that the changes the name, the element of earth, from Eretz to Afar, which is how it's commonly referred to today. Possibly the reason being that until now he was speaking about it in its pure form. In its pure form, it's the actual earth of the earth. In, the, in combined form, then it's more like dirt. So you would say Afar. You can call it eretz if it's just if it's part of a stone, part of uh, an animal. So that might be in English, though. Earth can refer to both. The word "earth" happens to refer to both. Uh, Anyway, so he's explaining. uh, Goes on to explain that uh, once they combine, it turns into something new, and they can't be uh, just. Isolated within the object anymore. All four combined. And they all change. Something changes in them when they combine. Until you will find that whatever is comprised of all four, when they're all four together, uh, none of them are acting or, or can be defined, explained as being the same as when they are alone. You can isolate and point at the object and say, oh, that's the fire part, that's the water part, that's the earth part. No, it doesn't work like that. They all change and become a new object, but we still say that it's comprised of the four. And because each, thing has all four, so you'll find those traits, those properties. You must be So you'll find a combination also of all four properties. The the cold and the warm and the wet and the dryness. But it doesn't mean that it's always uh, distributed equally. Some objects, some things have a predominant disaydeh, so like things that are alive, he says, and that's why they have uh, extra warmth. You see the warmth is also uh, dominant. Um, so, you know, as we know the p- things that are alive are associated with warmth, for example, you know, most warm-blooded animals, uh, and even the ones that are considered cold-blooded, but they also have a body temperature. But just their body works a bit differently but uh, life is associated with warmth. And there are some that uh, the earth is predominant. So that means like the stone. So that means like the, that its trait will also uh, stand out. So you'll also see a lot of dryness. Like we said before, that the, the main characteristic or seems to be the dryness in, in the stone. Uh, I point out that In the Prince prince of the Rambam, there's also an additional line about that there are some things where the water is predominant and therefore moisture, the wetness is predominant. Not in the edition that I'm using, but it's in other editions. To continue. So because of these combinations and the possibility of all kinds of combinations that can be made. So uh, there could be many, many, many different uh, levels and extremes until you get to the most extreme. You'll have the the very hottest thing or the very driest thing. (laughs) You'll find things where you only really see the coldness or you'll see the the wetness, seemingly, he just said before, that it has all four, but you're only really seeing that one very, very dominant Trait, or the um, continues, or you'll actually find very balanced things. You'll find things that have both the cold and the dryness, or the cold and wet, or it has the warmth and the dryness both equally, or the warmth and the wetness equally. It all depends on down on the, on the level of the matter. Whatever uh, you say, there was most of. At the, at the core of the mixture, you know, so it's going to express itself in the traits of that mix object. You'll still see there's more more ish, so you'll see more ish-like characteristics, etc. So whatever is combined of these four, uh, ultimately, it's what it. Uh, decomposes, degrades back into at the end. We said before, at the time, actually, you can't uh, separate and isolate, but there is a process of of, of the the decomposure and the decomposition. And uh, that's when they return to... they do return to their uh, uh, pure elements. For some, it happens after a few days. you know probably some creatures that live for a short time and then their body just uh, decomposes very quickly <laughs> for some, after many years but as long as it's com- comprised of these four it's impossible for it to never it's gonna at some point it's gonna happen even precious things like gold or red stone that seemed to last for a very, very, very long time. It also seems to be very precious. So it's hard to think of it as uh, dirt, but no, ultimately, yeah, it's going to return and turn back into dirt and all the other stuff. Some will turn into fire, some will turn into water, some will turn into wind, and some will turn into earth. Since that's the case, since uh, whatever uh, is separate uh, will we'll separate into these things. Lama, and, and some have, I believe, have the uh, the gears here, hanifsad, which might be a little more fitting. Since everything that, that falls apart, decomposes, separates into these things. Lama nemer la'adon be'el afar tashav. So why does it say about man that he'll return to earth? It sounds like, what, what, what about the rest? What about the other three? So the answer is that we shireh b'nyan imanaf. The answer is that most of him is mainly built of earth. Now, we have to point out, that doesn't mean that the the dominant characteristic of man is earth. Uh, When he says Rav Binyana, he's built mostly of earth. Apparently that could be a technical thing, and yet the influence of the Yusayidus on his nature, in terms of which we spoke before, uh, could be more complex. So earlier we said that things that are alive are uh, predominantly warm. So even though he's saying the majority of the Binyan is Afar. So clearly it's a bit more complex than that, than just a pure majority. Anyway. And by the way, when we say that, uh, that something is decomposing, doesn't mean that it's immediately returning to its pure original elements. It's a process. And uh, there could be a lot of stops along the way, it can turn to something else. Another thing will turn to something. And ultimately, at the end of the process, it will return to the Forelma Zumzukh, and then it's just like an endless cycle. Because then those elements can go and turn to something else, and then fall apart, and then get back together. That's the cycle of life, as it's explained here. Aloha, hey. In addition, each side is turning into the other side. At every time, at any moment, only mean a little bit at any given time, not the entire side turning into something else. Okay, so what does that mean? So now he's he's counting. He's going upwards. So let's start from the lowest. The lowest thing is Earth. the, the top of the Earth that's already close to the water starts crumbling. And it turns into water. And then you go to the top. The top of the water that's near the wind. It sort of melts and falls apart. It turns into wind. The top of the wind that's near the fire. It's transformed into fire. So note that the words they're all getting less dense. They're falling apart. And then now he goes in the reverse order. Up to down, the bottom of the fire, the part that's near the wind, it gathers together, becomes a little more dense and turns into wind. And the same in the next step, the bottom of the wind that's near the water becomes even more dense. Miskanis again turns into water. The bottom of the water that's near the earth can also get even more dense and turn into earth. This happens very slowly, and the more time you give it, the, the more it happens. We're not saying that it's ever going to, if you give it enough time, that the whole Yisayid, all the water would turn into wind, or all the wind would turn into fire. No. It's impossible for the Yisayidus to ever uh, disappear. A little fire turns into wind, and a little wind turns into fire. Uh... And that's, that's the same is true for all four. There's always whichever one is near the other one, turns into the other one. They're all turning into each other. And then the reverse happens, so it all cancels itself out, but it's just we're just observing a fact uh, that uh, this is the behavior. It says these changes that are happening on their own, if they're not animated, then why are why are things happening on their own? So that's all due to again back to that galgal we've mentioned. We said that it's uh, all the galgalum turn because of the outer galgal, gal, and that's an external kaya from Hashem, as we explained all the way back. So we're also attributing this that the certain slow movement on Earth itself, even though they're not alive, that's also all due to that galgal gal somehow. And now we start a new sentence. In addition, that turning of the galgal gal also causes that, Yishabru Arbatan, the, the whole process we've been talking about in the beginning of the parak that objects become objects, that the, the elements turn into complex objects. That's also due to the, 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 the turning of the sphere. When those four come together, then you get the matter that forms the more complex things, like people, anything that's alive, uh, plants, stones, metals. That's also all due to that. Then he adds, ah, now that i is leading us to the next point. Until now, we've been speaking about matter, the matter of everything. So he said that the four you say this are the matter of everything. That's complex. So that's been the whole that's been the focus this whole time. What about tsurah? What about the form? That's where we're heading now. That's where the direction of the parak is going. And this this is what's leading us to there. By mentioning what causes the Chaymer to do its thing, now he's mentioning that Hashem directly gives each object its tzura, its form that's appropriate for it. And it's through the Mimutza, somehow the 10th Malach, the Isham, that we said are the most uh, able to interact with with mankind. So they're also part somehow of the process By which God gives everything its form. And so Ram is essentially saying that the form of everything is a more spiritual thing. You wouldn't be able to explain it just by the laws of nature or by the turning of the Gagal. It's like a more divine intervention in every object. And that's especially going to be the case when we get to talking about the Nefesh shortly. So Allah has you never actually can see with your eyes, you can never actually isolate and say, Oh, that's matter without form, well, that's form without matter. So, well, where does this come in? Where, what, in what terms are we even speaking? It's the heart of the person, the mind of the person, and for continue, like I mentioned, we have mentioned already once, uh, you know, the Rama speaks about the mind. He always uses the term "lave" heart. And there's actually never any mention anywhere of mayach, of the brain. And historically, after the Nambam, some Rishonim started mentioning uh, the brain and the heart uh, together in the context of the mind. But totally, by the time you get to the to them, of course, it's already mayach, shalt, Lev, the brain is controlling the heart. They actually saw this, actually, uh, the Rambam explicitly discusses this in his medical writings. There is a set translated into Hebrew, Printed by Meisner of Cook, and one of his medical writings is a, is a work called Pirkei Maisha, and he discusses this question head on about brain versus heart, and uh, he says Galinos Gallen, uh, uh, after the Khurban, early right after the Khurban, right at the beginning of the Common Era, very prominent uh, doctor, Middle Ages medicine was attributed to him, I believe. So he says one thing, and Aristotle, who was much earlier, says something else. A whole discussion there. Look, look into that if you're interested. So the leva the person's mind, that's where this division, this distinction is being made. In his mind, whatever object he thinks of in his mind, he can analyze and say, Oh, I see how it's really truthfully comprised of matter and form. And also, all in the person's mind. Meaning, apparently they didn't have tests; they didn't have necessarily have ways of proving it. But this was the logical system that uh, is used to understand everything. And of course, as we know, it's Brantaiter, et Ksidas, etc. But it's all, it's all conceptual. It's all intellectual. You know that some things are complex and have multiple uses, And then you have the pure stuff that's just the goylem, the chaymer of esh, the etc. And then he goes on and says, And then you have, of course, just pure forms, like we spoke earlier about malachim, that cannot be seen at all. Elabit e'en haleiv hen Again, Ein Halev, the heart being the mind. When something uh, you imagine to yourself, you see in your mind, that would be considered. That would be what called, the drama called call In English, might call it your mind's eye. So it's the Ein you're doing. It, it's in your mind's eye that you can see that you know it. And just like we know about the Master, everything about God without ever seeing Him. So it's possible that he's talking here about tzura. So and then he mentions Hashem. So it's possible that he's counting Hashem here also as a tzura. And Tomah, he said there's no guf. He said the Molochim are tzura. So maybe for the purpose of this conversation, he's considering Hashem a tzura. Or it's possible that, uh, no, it's just a, he's making comparison. Just like we can, you know of Hashem. So similarly, even though Shur can never see him. So even the tzuras, it shouldn't be difficult for you to agree that you can see the tzuras in your mind's eye. But anyway, the point here is is that it's not, what we know is not limited just to what we see. Even really, probably even simple things uh, that, we, that we know, so, so much of it is a layer that, that comes from our mind. But certainly when we, speak, when we talk about deeper, more intellectual things, so you have to understand, you have to accept that uh, a lot of this is going to be stuff that you can only uh, perceive in your mind, not something you can necessarily uh, see with your eyes. But uh, that's, a, that's a hallmark of intelligence. You're using your mind more, so you're you're aware of things that you can't see. Um, There's things just to know, you have things that have chaymer and surah but you know how they're combined of chaymer and surah, and there are things you can't see at all. That is the that's the main thing for a man, for a human, that has this ability, not just what you can see with your eyes. Now we get to the main thing which is about the person's nefesh. So, uh, if I'm reading correctly, um, right now Navash is not talking about man. Navash is talking about any living thing. So we've been speaking about how there are many levels in Tzura. So, uh, metal has the Chaimer. Let's say the combined knowledge. of say this is Then it has its Tzura that Hashem gave it through the Malachim that it looks like metal. And then, on top of that, a live thing has its nefesh, which is an additional level of tzura that God gave it, that, of course, comes from God. And then he says, Now, here, he's using the word tzura again. Um, Based on, if you look later, he seems to be saying that man's nefesh is like another tzura on top of a tzura. So that extra das, that extra intelligence that a man has, that is what we call the tzura of man, who has perfect minds, as perfect as it gets for a uh, creature down here. It says, right, man is created. Hashem says, let's make him in our image. So he says and is in the sense of Tsura, in the sense of that it comprehends, it, it thinks, and it can think about things that aren't even concrete, don't even have matter, to the extent that he can become like them. That's how advanced man is, that he can think about the more advanced creatures that don't have a body till he's in the same category. It says and I'm not talking about Tsura like. Lowly levels of tzura. That, oh, I can see it. He mentioned different parts of the face, the the mouth, the nose, the jaws, whatever else you mentioned about the body. No, shazu tayar shma. That would in this context we would call that tayar. So the mus are synonymous with tzura. So it's as if the pasuk basically said, "Not other So he's saying that what tzura we're we talking about there could be any tzura. So, I'm telling you, it's the very, very advanced tzura. That's the what's the test of that sir? The test of that sir is whether it can conceive of abstract things that can't be seen. And um, since those are superior to us, because something that doesn't have a body is superior to something that like us that needs to be in a body. So the ultimate, the most we can hope for is that we can try to be as similar to them, as close to them as possible. But we're not talking about that sir. We're not talking about the sir of a face. And Dere without even spelling it out, this saves uh, us from the whole problem of hakshama, of uh, giving God this, the, the sense that he has a body. Just read it simply. It sounds like we got our, our shape, our face, our face, our mouth, our nose. We got that from God. And that means that God has that appearance in some sense. He says, No. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a whole different surah. So, and for sure, there's no surah for Hashem in the sense of a I just want to point out that he says here that uh, what's the test of uh, true surah? Something that can recognize those other surahs don't have, those forms that don't have their own matter. That strengthens again what we said yesterday. That all these pukma are actually really one long. Point that he's going from intelligent being, higher intelligent being to higher intelligent being. Such Hashem, the Malachim, the Galgalim, to man, how their consciousness works, how their knowledge works. And any other details about Malachim or about Galgalim or about Yosidus were all side points just to explain and get to the point about how they're conscious. He wasn't speaking about Galgalim, for example, just in, he wanted to talk about uh, some astronomy. That's not the subject. And this is really the whole Torah of the Rambam. It's about man's consciousness and how you can strengthen it and, and try to become closer and more similar to the higher forms of intelligence and to focus and dwell on it, and maybe even to interact with those higher forms of intelligence. I also want to point out that uh, so Yusuf HaKis, Nafshah Bahamas, so there seems to be a lot of similarity here on one hand, uh, general idea that uh, it's a higher level in, in the person, there's a lower level in the person, but we shouldn't assume necessarily that this is similar in every detail, because the of HaMas al is, uh, is more, more advanced, more developed. It's not just uh, an animal uh, being. It's not just, it's not just as we're going to see in the next paragraph in al what he describes that every animal has, it's just that it eats and drinks. Nefesh of Hamas isn't just the part of the body, the person that eats and drinks. It also has its own consciousness. Has a very animalistic consciousness in, in, in human terms. It's very animalistic, so that's not the same thing as the, 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 the distinction that Rambam is making. And sometimes Hsides also mentions that it's the nefesh hativis. What's that? How does that fit into the whole subject? And um, also, it'll be interesting to see if Chassidus really talks about these lower forms, the eating and drinking part. If it explains in a clear way, you know, is that the same as uh, what an animal has, or you know, is that? Even lower than the nefesh, like it's Muhammad. it's just that's a whole topic and we certainly can't get into it at all just to uh, point out the comparison or the distinctions he's still, this is still in reference to the pasuk uh, technically so he's saying that's if we're already saying that the pasuk is not talking about the shape of the face but it's talking about the nefesh let me point out that this is not the nefesh that any living thing has that this is just the thing that allows any living being to eat, drink, to uh, recreate, procreate, uh, to feel, to think on a very, very basic level. Because uh, this Pasuk is all talking about people. We just finished talking about the gracious, was talking about all the other animals, and now it's talking about people. People are going to be something that could say no. So, Elihadea, she so this is we're talking about daya. We're talking about uh, knowledge, and that's what we call tzuras hanefesh. The tzuras it's a nefesh. The nefesh as it's a tzura, but tzura is a nefesh And that's what the process is The thing is, though, that uh, sometimes this is called nefesh. Sometimes it's called tzevach. So nefesh could sometimes be referring to the the what the animal has, and sometimes it can be referring to the tzuras hanefesh. That, that the nefesh, meaning he's calling it and saying that the nefesh of the animal would be like the chaymer compared to the dea on top of that, that a human has, that would be the tzura on top of the chaymer of the regular nefesh. But sometimes that tzura itself is called nefesh. So it can be confusing. So you have to be very careful with these names. You can't just uh, reflexively say, ah, this name means this. No, you got to be careful with these words. Don't make a mistake. So always got the context to know what the word means in that particular context. <speaking in Hebrew> now, everything else we said is comprised of this and breaks down into say This Tzuras HaNafesh that the human has, this super Tzura, this is not comprised of Yosemites. will never turn back into this. Not only that, Ba'ein HaMekhaya Shama. Now, this is going to be confusing perhaps for some. And the Ramam's terminology Shama is extremely lowly. Uh, certainly, compared to the tzirah and nefesh, I'm not even clear to me if this neshama is identical with what he called earlier the nefesh kolbasar that every living thing has, or the neshama is something that's even lower than that. Meaning, maybe the nefesh kolchai is uh, like more advanced functions like eating and drinking, and the neshama that he's talking about here might be purely the fact that the thing is alive, because that's all he's going to mention in halacha test the fact that it's alive. And we can argue back and forth. Definitely no time for that. So it says, It's not coming from this Neshama, the life force in the body, so that it should need the life force, the way the life force needs the body. The body needs the life force, the life force needs the body. Elama is Hashem and in heaven. Like we said already right in the above, that there are some things that are by nature, and whatever has to do with surah, whatever has to do with form, is already more spiritual. Now there he mentioned the Malachim are, are the go-between for surah, of regular object. It could be here it doesn't mention malachim it could be the more lofty the tzorah so the higher uh, the source it has so there might not might not be any malachim involved it's not clear it doesn't spell out it just says not um it would also be interesting to know how if we assume that the neshama in this uh, halacha is even lower than the nefesh kochai it would be interesting to know uh, whether that's something that uh, is, he considers to be more of a natural, he's saying this is mees hashem and HaShemayim? So it sounds like the neshama, what he calls the neshama, is not mees hashem and HaShemayim. So does that mean that it's uh, it's like purely like nature, like somehow the galgal makes things come alive on the level of neshama, or does it just mean that it's back to the tzura of malachim, the malachim bring the tzura? It's not directly mees hashem and HaShemayim? So you can read it one way or another. In any case, it's not related to the energy that animates the body. So therefore, when the body falls apart, which is compressed, you say this, and that low life force gets lost, it disappears, says. because It only exists with the body and it needs the body for everything. It has no it has no significance on its own. Maybe in more modern terms you could say it's like an invisible battery for the body. So Without a body, there's no significance to an invisible battery. But, Surah Surah we're talking about here, what makes a human human, is Deah. That is something to do that doesn't get affected by death. So, Masa never needed the, the life force in the body to be a, to be its own nefesh, to be its own Tsurah Sahnefesh. It continues being aware and knowing and being conscious of. The other things that are like it now, the other uh, intelligent beings that are not uh, physical, be it and it remains aware of, Hashem, and it stays in that state forever. So it's like almost like the body was like irrelevant. It's like the, it totally could be on its own without a body. And certainly once the body's out of the picture, it can do its thing. That the earth returns to the earth, and the ruach. In this case, we're talking about the tzirus hanefesh, as he warned in halacha HaChes, The ruach can mean different things. The ruach returns to God that gave it. It returns to that realm of intelligence, God, angels, souls. Now, to conclude, to summarize the four prakim. Everything we said is like a drop in the bucket. It's very deep. But three and four were not as deep as chapters one and two. Whatever we learned in these two chapters, that was This is Ma'aseh Bereshis. Bracious meaning the world, nature within the world. And again, the early sages. and He's referring again to that Mishnah Gomri Chagiga. You these can can only be told to uh, one person and then you could teach it. So then he asks, so why are we differentiating? If you can only teach them to one person, why are we saying my is this, my that? There is a difference. What's the difference? the higher you don't even teach it to one any one person. Okay, we said earlier, he has to be so wise and so intelligent that we tell him just the, the major points and he's able to figure out the rest. In your not as demanding. You can teach it to any one person, even if he doesn't understand it on his own. And then we actually sit with him, we teach him anything that he can possibly know as far as his mind goes. So bazoi. that's the case, not everybody would have the minds to understand it, so seemingly what we're saying is that it isn't actually every person it's not like you can learn one-on-one with anyone he, just, he ended off, he said that not anyone can learn there must be levels in a yachid the yachid, my surprise, is, is a regular Talmud, maybe not a person from the street he's a regular Talmud, you've got to sit and learn with him but I'll get it, my a special chacham, that's how you get to these differences um Point being that whatever we did learn from the Rambam here, clearly the Rambam doesn't consider uh, to be uh, learning Meisim Rukav really. In Really, we learned we learned what the subjects of Meisim are without actually saying that. Oh, we sat and learned Meisim Rukav Meisim Berishas. When a person thinks about these things, contemplates these things, again, Virembam mentions these three things, these three higher intelligent beings. God in every creature. Interesting to whether the Ramam is now hinting to other wondrous things of the creator, the creator, just nature in general, but from the continuation, it doesn't really sound like it. It leads to love. And he's going to just long, have tremendous longing to love God. And this is bringing us back to Rav and with which we begin Paragimel. It will be of tremendous fear about how lowly he is when he compares himself to the greater beings, seemingly the Galgalan. And certainly compared to the higher things I guess, that are Malachem. He sees that he's just a, a lowly Empty vessel. So the afka person who's a more lofty kind of guy, who thinks about the more lofty stuff, that's what puts him in his place, and that's what causes him to have the Yira, because now he realizes that he's had actually at the bottom of the heap of uh, this hierarchy. the And all four all five mitzvahs, is what Khacham called the paradis. Obviously, it's a bit different in how it uh, comes across in Kabbalah Chassidus. Not the whole subject. Uh, comparing what the Namam said about Kabbalah so this, what did influence Kabbalah Chassidus? So what is quoted from the Namam there? That's a whole topic. But this is what the Namam considers to be the parthis. That's the famous story. Even though they were very great, like doesn't mean the story. But we know the story is that not all of them were very successful and. Acher, especially we mentioned earlier, actually what about not sitting in in heaven, not sitting in in, in Shemayim. Sitting isn't a trait you can apply to something like Hashem. So that we mentioned actually that came from this whole Acher story that he knew this, and then he saw something that seemed to suggest otherwise, and that confused him. And that's what the Rambam is talking about here: you how know, they, they 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 knew something, but it wasn't the, they weren't able to figure it out all properly. You can't stroll in the paradise, paradise being literally an orchard, so you can use the take the metaphor all the way. You can't stroll in the orchard until your stomach has been filled with bread and meat. And uh, again, if the Ram is saying that but he taught all this, uh, everything we until now was in a safer that's meant for everyone, clearly whatever he Listed here and taught here in these four prakhim, he doesn't see that as a contradiction. But, but not only that, he literally started the, the, the safer with this topic. What you mean when we say to know what's prohibited and what's permitted and etc. Whatever all the myths are about? Even though the sages called this a small thing, <laughs> what's a large thing to know? The chariot, God, the angels, whatever, what's a small thing to know? How Avayyda whatever the discussions of Avayy and over with each other about Halacha. But even though we mentioned discussions, but I think that Rambam means of, just in the sense here of knowing usser and mutter, not necessarily getting into the Gemara of it, but just studying hal- Halacha. Alpha became even though it's the small thing, but it like it's better to learn it first. It settles the man's mind first. Explain it in different ways, we really don't have the time at, at this point. And also, this is the great good they have, they're actually worthy in their own right, That just as an introduction to the Dover Gadol. but actually, the mitzvahs are the great good that God gave us to settle this world, and that leads us in turn to get the world to come. Uh, I think this is actually, uh, actually sort of an introduction to the rest of Rambam. because until on the fourth proclam, we almost didn't talk about Terra mitzvahs except the five mitzvahs. You're talking about very abstract forms of godliness, spirituality. So I think that this is on purpose, that he led to this conclusion, uh, not just as a discussing what should be learned, but this is actually an introduction to all the regular halachas that are going to come right afterwards. And this is a great way to start by saying that this is actually the great good that uh, helps us settle the world, and makes us to the world to come. And so according to the this is the order of how you should learn. First, you should learn the four proclam of the basics. It's so basic that everyone has to learn it first. And it's not like Maeser Merkava, part this. And then there's 996, this is a thousand prakim total, and then there's another 996 prakim that are mostly Aser, Mutter, Yeshiva things like that. And then when you finish that, then you can get back to the question of, should I get back into those original four prakim in a deeper level? Now, it could be that the Arizal, Has Chabab, have a different opinion on the right balance nowadays. That's a whole other topic. But that seems like a very fitting introduction to the Makoil and knowing what's permitted, Knowing what's prohibited, that's something that anyone could know. So other things are exclusive. And Basar, this that's not exclusive. Anyone can know. Large and small. man and woman. Someone who's very intelligent, great mind, and someone who is not very intelligent has a very small mind.